T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of the Burgundy and Gold. Today, youngest in charge movement, Linnell Willingham, taking you up to 3 o'clock uh, before we dish things off to the Hoffman Show. Coming up at 2 o'clock, we'll be joined by Mark Schofield, uh, national NFL writer for SB Nation. Uh, we'll take a spin around the National Football League, plus take a look ahead at Washington's big Sunday night game against the New York Giants. Helping us do that right now on the Team 980 guest hotline is the Athletics' Ben Stanley. You can follow him on Twitter at Ben Standing. What's going on, Ben? Well, no, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right, despite the fact that when I woke up this morning, the, the phone said it was 25 degrees. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not a fan of that. But other than that, doing all right. Yeah, I feel you, man. It was a chilly one when I left out as well, man. You were at the, you were on the Zoom yesterday with head coach Ron Rivera. What were you able to pick up? Uh, what were your big t- big takeaways from your guys' conversation with him? Well, I mean, I just think in general the the injury list was a little more uh, <laughs> significant than than probably would have thought. Jamin Davis was mentioned. He had a procedure on his thumb. They say procedure. I mean, you know, he had surgery, I guess. Um, but it doesn't sound like that's a huge deal. And he, Rivera said he expects him to play. But nonetheless, you know, you hear somebody is dealing with something, and and uh, you know, it's uh, it's it, it's notable for for sure. Um, I think there's still just a lot of vague scenarios, though. Uh, you know, right now between um, you know Benjamin St. Juice, Sam Cosme, even Chase Young, in terms of whether they'll be available to play, we'll probably get a better feel. Hopefully, you know, Thursday or Friday, depending on what happened to practice. But uh, you know, they're Look, everybody's going to be banged up this time of year, um, but I think that's obviously always something to keep an eye on. On the Montez Sweat situation, obviously he's in the concussion protocol, according to head coach Ron Rivera. Going back to the last meeting against the Giants, if I'm not mistaken, he was not on the field for the first two possessions of the game. Was that due to the concussion or him being in the protocol? Yeah, uh, it's a good question. He played roughly um, the same amount of snaps as Smith-Williams and Tuhill. Uh, I'm not sure we got a definitive answer on what happened there, and, and, and maybe that's something to follow up on with Rivera if it was something that was coming into the game. But, uh, you know, I remember after that game, Sweat didn't seem to be in a particularly you know rough rough way. And, uh, you know, concussions are always tricky. You never quite know. But since they, it wasn't mentioned going into the game, I mean, I don't know what was – 
what was going on uh, there for sure. But yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good question and something that we probably need to ask a little bit more. But hopefully, you know, he's obviously been a real presence for them. Um, you know, over the last I don't know, you know, six, seven, eight weeks after that, you know, slow start only in terms of sacks. So hopefully, he's out there and uh, ready to uh, you know get after uh, Daniel Jones. Yeah, with with Montez Sweat and, and James Smith Williams being potentially nicked up heading into this one, how big would a return of Chase Young be this week? I know Ron Rivera uh, has tried to temper the expectations of everybody here locally, but yesterday when we heard him speak, it seemed like there was a little bit more of a quiet confidence as for Chase's ability for Sunday night. Uh, what did you get from that? Yeah, I mean, that's about as hopeful as we've heard, Rivera. I, I'm sort of at this point <laughs> kind of done trying to guess. I mean, I, I feel like you know, the national media has been all over the place with this story. And, you know, I'm not surprised that we are where we are at this point based on my read. But now, you know, a week, you know, he's had another the bye week to recover even further. If he somehow isn't available to go now, you know, there's a bigger, much bigger questions to ask about what's happening. But Rivera sounded optimistic, said he and Chase spoke on Tuesday and that he feels like Chase is in a pretty good mindset. And, you know, at this point, the doctors have cleared him, so it's just right. him getting confidence on that surgically repaired knee, which was, you know, a pretty significant injury. So hopefully he is ready to go. And, you know, Rivera said it would probably be, you know, like 12 to 15, 16 snaps. Um, not a huge number, but look, if he can, you know, rush the passer or, you know, just be somebody the Giants have to pay more attention to, you know, that can open things up for other guys. So uh, it would be significant to get him back. At the same point, I'm not expecting, like, the full-throated version of Chase Young, um, maybe not even for this whole year, but you know, certainly not uh, Sunday. Ben, this team six one and one in their last eight games, and really seem to be building momentum as we hit the home stretch. Uh, the the natural folks flex this Sunday night game or flex the game into Sunday night football to be Washington's first Sunday night contest since 2017. From an atmosphere standpoint, what are you expecting to see Sunday night at FedEx Field? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, night night games are not fun for those of us uh, on <laughs> deadlines or things like that. But in terms of like the atmosphere, I mean, it's typically you know always a real you know a real treat. You know, there's a lot of energy. Now, obviously, we you know we know that FedEx Field has not been uh, a sellout for in terms of Commander fans. I would imagine there'll be a lot of New York presence in the building. But look, look, if you're if you're a Commanders fan, you know, if you're one of the people still willing to to go out there and spend your money. I, I don't even just mean because of Dan Snyder. I just mean because, right. you know, the modern era, people like to stay at home and watch on their big TVs. But if you're going to do that, I can only imagine how pumped you're going to be for this game. I mean, this really is – obviously they had big games in 2020, but that one always felt like kind of like a, wait, is this really happening kind of a vibe? Like you're <laughs> right. not really buying it. But this is like a real deal. Like they're set, you know, they're 7-5-1. and one. They've been playing better. Uh, you win this game and your percentage chance of making the playoffs increase dramatically. And, and then, you know, you can start going from there. So uh, it's a huge game. I would think that the fans should be pretty uh, pumped up, uh, those who show up. We, we talked about the injury situation along the defensive line. The offensive line, an entire different story. Uh, the big loss uh, that we learned during the bye week was Tyler Larson being put on injured reserve. Ben, when, when you take a look at that loss, I've been on the record saying I think he's one of the unsung heroes uh, of this 6-1-1 one one stretch. I think since he entered uh, in that Chicago game, it really felt like he's brought a, a, st- a calm, steady presence along that offensive line. His replacement uh, in the game was Nick Martin on last Sunday against the Giants. Do you expect Wes Schweitzer, if healthy, to get a crack at the center spot? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. It's going to be interesting because, um, you know, Nick, Nick Martin is a natural center. West, West Whites are not as much, but West Whites, are, I think, is the better lineman. And I guess the wonder, the only wonder would be, you know, the Giants do a really good job under defensive coordinator uh, Wink Martindale, sort of, you know, shifting uh, their their looks and making it challenging to figure out, you know, exactly what they're doing play to play. Uh, you know, I think Schweitzer obviously has experience, but probably not as much as Nick Martin as a true center. So that would be the one question. Uh, the other variable is, you know, what happens at right guard? Rivera sounded at least, I think, optimistic that Trey Turner could be back. I said, I don't, I don't know about Tim Cosme. Does, would he prefer Schweitzer at guard, though, right. and going with Nick Martin at center? I think that's a question. I, I'm guessing, if I had to guess, I would say it's Schweitzer and then either you know Turner or Cosme. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely going to be an interesting uh, question. And, look, I mean, this is, you know, you're on the third-string center. Like, center's not a position we get all worked up about generally. But, <laughs> you know, Larson was the primary backup. Now you're down to the third string. And, you know, at some point it's hard to just keep going next man up. So hopefully they can uh, – you know, figure this out, especially, I guess, like I said, it's a pretty tough opponent um, for this spe- uh, specific uh, uh, center position. Joining us right now on the Team 980 Guest Hotline is senior writer for The Athletic. He covers the Washington Commanders. Uh, it is Ben Standing. You can give him a follow on Twitter, at Ben Standing. I want to flip back over to the offensive side of the football, Ben. Where is this group right now uh, offensively? They're coming off one of their best statistical performances of the year uh, in the last meeting with the Giants. It was the first time all year that they have thrown for over 270 yards and rushed for over 150. Uh, Where do you think this group is right now heading into Sunday night? Uh, I don't know that they're any much different than where they've been. I mean, I do think the Brian Robinson component continues to be impressive. And, you know, it's really kind of wild because so much of the focus obviously was on his – you know, you know, incredibly unfortunate situation right before the season started that, that we forget, or not forget, but we kind of overlook how impressive he looked in the preseason. And, and now we're really starting to see that again. He is just so hard to bring down, and he gives this offense uh, a tone setter there. But it, it also just takes off a lot of pressure off the passing game. Uh, they put up a lot of passing numbers in that last game, in part because they fell behind. And Taylor Heineke threw the ball for over – you know, uh, I think 35 times for the first time this season. That's not what they want. They want to, you know, him to stay in the in the in the probably low to mid 20s uh, in terms of pass attempts and lean on the run. They have the playmakers. We know that. Right. I think it's just a matter of you know, can the line hold up and and how much do you trust Heineke to make certain throws? You know, if the defense can keep doing what it's doing, you may not have to score more than 23 points to win. But, you know, you'd like to think that you could score more if you have to, and I think that's kind of where we don't know that they can do that because they really haven't shown much of that. Yeah, you mentioned the offensive line and they're needing them to step up and play better, quite frankly. Uh, we saw in that Giants game specifically, Scott Turner went with a lot of max protections up front, uh, and it really, you know, limits this offense, allowing them to really only run the three-man route concepts. Uh, where do you think the trust level is right now with offensive coordinator Scott Turner and not just the offensive line, but the quarterback as well? Well, I mean, I think in general, there's probably, you know, just basic trust. But, you know, I think we saw you know, some conservative play calling in that late in that Giants game in, in, in overtime. Um, you know, look, I think if they can run the ball, right? you know, that's going to make a huge difference. It, it, but if, if they get turned one dimensional or they fall behind by 10 points, that type of deal. I think things get a lot more complicated. Uh, you know, as long as they can stay, 
you know, ahead of the sticks, you know, avoid long third downs. You know, I think they're in a pretty good spot, you know, for all the knocks we give Heineke, he, you know, he's incredibly adept at Scott Turner's system. He's a smart player out there. He knows where the ball needs to go. And look, he's, he's clutch. I mean, I I value clutch (laughs) an incredibly high uh, amount. Like if I was doing a Madden rating type deal, like I'd want a high clutch number for my guy. Um, And he gives that to you over and over again. But, you know, you got to get to that spot. And I, I just, with him, I always wonder when do the interceptions start yeah. accumulating? Because it just feels like each game you could tell me he has three or so, but it doesn't ever seem to happen. So hopefully it doesn't. Hopefully it keeps going the way it's going. But, uh, you know, the, the, that's the part that's tricky. But like I said, his mobility is so huge to help that offensive line, which remains, you know, fairly leaky in pass protection. So it, it's such a fascinating dynamic to figure out how to make it all work. And, you know, again, they, they largely have, but they do still need to score a bit more than they have. Yeah, speaking of the quarterback position, Ben, Carson Wentz obviously activated uh, off of the injured reserve list. Ron Rivera saying yesterday uh, he's going to most likely be the backup for Sunday night uh, against the New York Giants. Moving forward, though, what do you make of Ron's reluctancy, so to speak, to name Taylor Heineke, the starter for the remainder of the season, do you think he's trying to keep the door open in case of poor play, or do you just think it's just something he's not really concerned with right now? I mean, maybe it's uh, he's not too concerned with it right now, but, you know, look, they, they went out and got Carson Wentz for a reason, and, and the reason – forget Wentz specifically – but the reason was they just felt they needed more at that position, even after you know, after looking at Taylor Heineke for 15 games last year. I, I, I think, again, Taylor Heineke has moved himself way up in the quarterback tiers in this NFL. Yeah. He's in that same tier now with your Andy Daltons and your Teddy Bridgewaters, guys that can start, but maybe that's not the ideal call over the course of a full season. And, you know, I, I think, like I said, when you get to the – start playing some of these teams or you get to the postseason if they can, you can't just score 17, 20 points and beat Philly and beat Dallas and beat, uh, you know, probably Minnesota or whatever. And, you know, I know they just beat Philly and they were close to Minnesota, but that's the reality of it. And because everything's going to get ratcheted up in the playoffs and that's where the Carson Wentz factor comes into play. He's got the, the arm talent to keep up with some of those other quarterbacks. He's also lacking in some areas and that's where, um, I, I think for Rivera's perspective, you know, if they come out here against the Giants and, you know, lose or put up a stinker, it wouldn't stun me at all if he switched over to Wentz for that factor. I, there's a lot of variables. I get the Heineke Hive is very passionate about their guy, and they'll point to the record, and I'm not arguing with you. I would stay with Heineke for now until further notice, but I can't ignore the fact that, you know, they would have a big, a higher ceiling, which is maybe what you have to lean into um, when you're going up against the better teams in the playoffs, should they get there? Yeah, you mentioned having a higher ceiling offensively. Ben, you know it from from a statistical standpoint, in between the 20s, I feel like Taylor has done a nice job uh, orchestrating this offense up and down the field. I know he's been aided by the running game a lot with the emergence of Brian Robinson. In the red zone, though, this group has really struggled. I believe they're 26th in red zone efficiency uh, on the season. And since Taylor Heineke's taken over, the number may be lower than that. Uh, how do you see them improving in that area? And do you think that's somewhere that they can improve? Yeah, I mean, I, that's the thing, right? I, I always like to believe when we talk about athletes and, you know, can they get better? I always like to think we all can get better in life. But right. I think also, I think Taylor Henke's kind of maxing out. Again, I'm not knocking it, but, you know, he's not going to get taller 
And when you're in the red zone, you need – it's good to see over the line to see these receivers, especially when their wide receivers are none of them are big targets. That's got to be a, a factor in, in why they've struggled in the red zone, as well as the fact that you know, he doesn't have the biggest um, arm. I guess the one thing is, you know, we, st- we, we have not seen Taylor Heineke run much at all. Yeah. And I, you know that that is the wonder. Can you get him to 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 go up the field more? In which case, you know, in the red zone, perhaps that um, you can take advantage of some of some running lanes or the Giants focused on you know the the receivers and, and, and go that way. But other than that, you know, I, I don't really know what else they can do other than just you know do some really good game planning and figure out where the Giants have some weaknesses. But they are who they are, and uh, I just don't you know. I, I just think Heineke's limited what he can do, even though he can do some good things. Right. Yeah, we mentioned the the, the stretch that this team is on right now, 6-1-1 one, and one in their last eight games. Uh, big picture here, what's been the biggest surprise to you of this eight-game stretch? I guess I would just say, like, you know, early in the year, they could not generate a turnover on defense to save their life. And <laughs> now the the secondary has really become – a bunch of playmakers, you know, ever since they kind of moved on from William Jackson, you know, feels that things have turned around both in terms of, you know, fewer broken coverages, but also just the ability to be a presence. And and I think Derek Forrest, I think has really been a pleasant surprise in that regard. Plus his ability to play, um, you know, center field, which lets them put Bobby McCain, a former corner in the slot, you know, on some level to work as a third corner when St. Houston is, um, well, I guess really kind of either way, but um, you know, I, I just think that group in general it's, it's really stepped up, and you know, it, the defensive line can do all the good things it does, but if the players behind them are are, are letting them down, it doesn't it won't matter as much. But I think the secondary has really helped up, and that's why this defense has now gone from being potentially good to actually pretty good, and and, and they're probably their best hope for having a run here down the stretch. Um, and, and I think that secondary, you know, I, I didn't see it coming to this degree. Um, you know, earlier in the year. Being joined right now by Bed Standing, senior writer for The Athletic. He covers the Washington Commanders. You can follow him on Twitter at Ben Standing. A few more here for you, Ben, before I let you go. Uh, the league meetings going on right now in Texas. Uh, what do you expect to hear uh, at the conclusion of those on the Commanders front? And do you have any update on when we could potentially get this Mary Jo White investigation? Yeah, I'm not expecting much on the on the Snyder front. Now, in this in these meetings. Now that said, it just takes one owner like a Jim Irsay to come out and speak his mind, and then all of a sudden we've got stories. But I don't know if I expect anything formal to come out of this at all from what from what I've heard. Uh, in terms of Mary Jo White, sort of the same deal. I don't I have no idea when this is coming out. I, I reported the other day that from what I was told by a couple of people, she has yet to interview Dan Snyder. Now I, I don't know. Wow. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know what to make of that. You know, uh, it could be that, you know, still looking into various components uh, of what that investigation entails and want to get more information before going to Snyder and possibly presenting it to him. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I guess the cynical side of me thinks <laughs> from the NFL's perspective, there's no rush for this. You want, you know, if he's potentially going to sell the team, you want to move the, move that direction forward and as fast as possible and not get other variables kind of mixed into this. So it could, it could be a while, but I, I don't know. I think, you know, I've not heard when, when, when this is going. And like I said, if, if they have not interviewed Dan Snyder yet, then obviously you wouldn't think it's happening anytime soon. 
Ben, I'll let you go on this, man. Single elimination playoffs, really, for the rest of the way right now for Washington. Big Sunday night football game this weekend. Do you think they get it done? Um, I, I, look, the Giants are clearly, I don't know, reeling is maybe too strong, <laughs> but they're clearly struggling right yeah. now, to say the least. And, you know, they're pretty one-dimensional on offense if Saquon Barkley doesn't get going. I, you know, turnovers are always a huge factor. You know, there's that. You know, there's always like a random player or two that can change things, change the game. But you know, even though Washington's coming off a sort of a, you know, a bye week, a, a, a sorry, a tie, and then a bye, and you kind of wonder where they're at from like an emotional standpoint. They were on such a good roll, but I, I think Washington does get it done. I, I just think Brian Robinson's been too good, and that defense uh, as well. So you know, something you know, in a typical Washington fashion. You know, twenty to seventeen, yeah. something like that. I think gets it done. What can we expect this week on the podcast, my man? Yeah, uh, I, I talked to uh, Jay Gruden. Uh, talked to him about this game. I also asked him his thoughts on the uh, oversight committee report in which he was mentioned. Uh, so that's there, and you know, we'll preview the Giants game later in the week as well. All right, Ben. Appreciate you giving me some time, my man. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. That is Ben Standing of the Athletic. When we come back, we'll recap some of Ben's thoughts. Here on the team. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Big thanks to Ben Standing of The Athletic for joining the program. If you missed any of my conversation with Ben, make sure you use the Odyssey Rewind feature on the free Odyssey app. That's available wherever uh, you get your apps and games at. Uh, The segment of the Burgundy and Gold today brought to you by the Maryland Vehicle Theft Prevention Council. Attention, Maryland drivers. Did you know a vehicle is stolen every 49 minutes in the state of Maryland? The key to preventing theft is in your hands. Lock your car, take your key, use an anti-theft device. Learn more at vehicle theft prevention at mdautotheft.org. Burgundy and Gold today here on the Team 980, always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. A lot to unpack from that conversation with Ben Standig uh, that was pre-recorded. We actually have some new information uh, about the injury situation regarding the Washington Commanders. We'll get to that uh, in the 2 o'clock hour of the program. Right now, though, I want to talk about this 6-1-1 one, one stretch 
that Washington's been on. They've improved their record to seven five and one after starting off the season uh, at one and four, and a lot of big time surprises during that stretch. And I'm trying to figure out from you guys what's the biggest surprise during this six one and one stretch. For me, man, I think all of it's surprising, for one, because I just didn't see them being able to turn it around the way that they have. Uber impressive, and I think it takes a lot of guts and fortitude uh, and, and, and stick-to-itness, so to speak, to be able to right the ship and, and deal with the one-and-four start that they had. It would have been easy for this group to pack things in. Uh, during this six-one-and-one stretch, though, man, we've seen – a lot of different things happen. We've seen the emergence of Benjamin St. Juice as an outside corner. We've seen the development of rookie running back Brian Robinson. We've seen the emergence of second-year linebacker Jamin Davis. A lot of big things uh, have happened, and a lot of things you can consider, uh, you can say are responsible for why Washington has been able to turn their season around, so to speak. Some of the things I just listed, though. The emergence of Benjamin St. Juice at outside corner, uh, we talked about it. Earlier on, earlier on in the show, and I think that's one of the things that, you know, I guess we can say it, it is talked about, but I always feel like it's not talked about enough. In this league, the good teams across the National Football League all have one of three or four things. An elite quarterback, an elite left tackle, a premier edge rusher, and a premier corner. That is the DNA and makeup of most successful teams across the National Football League. No matter who you want to look at, when I look at the Philadelphia Eagles, Jalen Hurts uh, at at the quarterback position. You got Jordan Mailata at the left tackle, one of the premier left tackles in the game. Edge rusher, they got a plethora of them. Josh Sweat, uh, Hassan Reddick, you name them. Corner, Darius Slay, James Bradbury. I mean, that is that is the way most of the good teams across the National Football League are constructed here in Washington, I think it would be smart to try to emulate that formula for success. And they're trying. Quarterback right now is really the issue right now where Washington's lacking, obviously. But when you take a look at left tackle, they brought in veteran Charles Leno two seasons ago. I think he's been serviceable at the position, but he's somebody who's getting up there in age. The edge spot with Chase Young and Montez Sweat, uh, James Smith-Williams, Casey Tuhill. I mean, they got... Uh, a plethora of guys who can get after the quarterback at a premier level. And then corner, which brings me to the emergence of Benjamin St. Juice and why it's so pivotal uh, that he's been able to make such a big leap in just his second year in the National Football League. Good corners are hard to come by, man. They really are. Washington, it seems like, has two of them with Benjamin St. Juice uh, and Kendall Fuller, and that's an area for this football team that's lacked over the past decade, really. When you look at some of the top corners or some of the best players that Washington's had at the cornerback position, let's go back to, say, 2007. Carlos Rogers, Sean Springs, Fred Smoot. When I list those names and then I continue to go down the list, there's some duds there as well. Josh Wilson, Bashad Breeland, Josh Norman. Washington has struggled to get it right at that position, and their past defense has suffered as a result of it. David Amerson. I mean, you name it. Washington has swung and missed at the cornerback spot uh, on several different occasions. It seems like right now, though, that they've got it figured out uh, with the emergence of Benjamin St. Juice. And I think this 6-1-1 one, and one stretch isn't possible 
without the emergence of Benjamin St. Juice. He is a huge piece of what they have. And the beautiful thing about it being it's only his second year in the league, he is going to be somebody that's a part of this thing long term. Right? And I think the more guys that you could find long term that are going to be a part of your plan, the better off your rebuild, so to speak, and the quicker your rebuild is going to go. Right? I named you the key positions that, wa- that, that, that most of the teams in the National Football League that are elite have studs at. Washington, starting with Benjamin St. Juice, is trying to follow uh, in that trend and, and take that direction. Uh, talk about the biggest surprises during the 6-1-1 one one stretch for the Washington Commanders. They obviously start off the season 1-4. and four. They've now improved their record to 7-5-1 and one on the year. You talked about the emergence of Benjamin St. Juice as the outside corner. The offensive MVP right now, for this football team, I would say is rookie running back Brian Robinson. His emergence and his development, I think, has been instrumental in this team going on this run that they've went on the last eight weeks. It's not every day in the 2022 National Football League that you have a true bell cow running back. There's only a couple of them across the league. Henry uh, in Tennessee. Joe Mixon with the Cincinnati Bengals. Saquon Barkley with the New York Giants. Other than that, there aren't a whole lot of other locations where it's just one singular back getting the job done. The beautiful thing about what Washington has done and what Brian Robinson has provided for this team was because of his physical running style and his ability to continue to go after it and be able to withstand 20, 25 carries per game, it's helped and aided to Washington finding its offensive identity. And I think that really when you want to talk about the offense as a whole, is my number one surprise during this 6-1-1 stretch. I remember for the first five weeks of this season, we couldn't figure out who the hell this group was, right? We know the personnel up front and and, and the skill guys that they have on the outside and the quarterback that they brought in, that lended us to believe this was going to be a pass-first offense. This was going to be a group that threw the ball around 45-plus times a game. That's who they wanted to be for the first five games of the season. But clearly, uh, during the offseason, they did not evaluate and self-scout themselves properly. So you had what you had, and you put the product that you put out there for the first five weeks of the season. It was ugly. It was. It was JV-like offensive-level performance, straight up. They had their moments. There were flashes in the pan, but no sense of consistency uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Since Taylor Heineke's taken over at quarterback, it's been the exact opposite. And I'm not trying to attribute (laughs) the consistency on offense to Taylor Heineke. It's not what I'm doing at all. I'm saying it just coincides with him taking over as a starter. Since Brian Robinson has been back and healthy, there has been a concerted effort for this group to run the football. Since Brian Robinson has gotten back and become healthy, they have an offensive identity. To call that a surprise would be an understatement. Because I'll be straight up. Once we found out that Brian Robinson got shot, I didn't know when we'd see him again. I knew they were talking about the potential of him coming back. But to think that he was going to have this type of impact uh, on this football team, if you if you believe that or thought that, kudos to you. You're a damn psychic. I had no clue. I don't think a lot of fans out there knew the impact that he was going to have. It's been a pleasant surprise. I'll say that. It's been a pleasant surprise because without Brian Robinson – This football team isn't in the position that they're in right now. 
without Brian Robinson, this football team doesn't have an offensive identity. So the emergence of Brian Robinson has been huge. We're talking about right now the biggest surprises for the Washington for the Washington Commanders and about the Washington Commanders during this six one and one stretch uh, that they've been on since Taylor Heineke's taken over at the quarterback position. Speaking of Taylor Heineke, that's another one of my big surprises. I didn't expect Taylor Heineke to have this type of impact on this football team the way he has. I didn't expect Taylor Heineke to come in here and have any type of success offensively. I know it hasn't been sexy or or, or stat sheet stuffing by any stretch of the imagination. But look, what he's done is provided some stability for them and a spark and a jolt. We all knew he was capable of that. I didn't think it would lead to W's, right? I thought it would be a part of this feel-good story that we have. We all root for Taylor Heineke because he comes from the the slum, so to speak. He's got the underdog mentality. He's been through it all. I knew the guys would rally around him for that. I didn't know it would turn into wins and losses. And while we have been very critical of Taylor Heineke and his performance on this program and others, to say that he's had no impact on what's happened over the last eight weeks, uh, you'd be straight up lying. So I've been truly surprised by that. I'd be even more surprised if it continued. I'll be honest with you. I, I do kind of feel like the scenario with Taylor Heineke, he's sort of like a ticking time bomb, right? We're waiting for him to revert back to his old ways. It's a guy that started 15 games last year and threw 15 interceptions. So clearly he showed you who he was as a quarterback last year. You know, this is someone who, while, yes, he has tremendous athleticism and the ability to make plays off schedule and create uh, from outside of the pocket, while all that is good, the turnovers is something that this team can't afford to rear its ugly head. The turnovers is something that you can't afford to have come back to bite you. Because guess what? When you're playing this ball control, ball control style of football, you can't have self-inflicted wounds. You can't have negative plays. You can't have penalties. And you sure as hell can't turn the football over. So the fact that Taylor Heineke's been able to have this much of a positive impact on this football team, I definitely uh, consider that a surprise. we got to take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll continue this discussion. We can take your calls on this as well. 301-230-0980 is the number on the Burgundy and Gold today. You can tweet at me as well, at N-E-L-L underscore BTP. The question at hand is what's been the biggest surprise during this 6-1-1 stretch for the Washington Commanders? I mentioned Benjamin St. Juice. I mentioned the development of Brian Robinson. I mentioned Taylor Heideke and his impact. What say you? 301-230-0980 is the number here on the Burgundy and Gold today. I'll give you more of my biggest surprises during this commander's stretch room, we come back. Don't go anywhere. This is Team 980. Coming up at the top of the 2 o'clock hour, we'll be joined by Mark Schofield, national NFL writer for SB Nation. We'll take a spin around the entire National Football League with Mark Plus. We'll get his thoughts on the Washington Commanders as they get set to enter the stretch run of their season. Four games left, and the biggest game is the one that's currently on the schedule. Sunday Night Football at home, in your crib, against the New York football Giants. Huge, huge playoff implications for that one. Really, you can look at it as a win-or-go-home situation for Washington. And I know mathematically speaking, they won't be eliminated. But damn it, if you can't beat the Giants, then who the hell can you beat? That reminds me of that one Twitter meme. I don't know if you've seen this, Eminem. Like, if, you haven't, if you haven't gone to Bella Noches, then, then where the hell could you go? So clearly, 
<laughs> Big time game uh, Sunday against the New York Giants. Before we look even further ahead to the Giants game, I want to stick to the positivity, right? I want to stick to what's been happening. The Commanders, winners of six out of seven, and overall they're six, one, and one uh, in their last eight games. What's been the biggest surprise during that stretch for the Washington Commanders? What's shocked you the most, so to speak, during this six, one, and one stretch? Pleasant surprises only. I might add. I already listed the emergence of Benjamin St. Juice uh, as the outside corner here in Washington. I think not only has it solidified a spot for 2022, but it solidified something moving forward. Um, I, I think it's amazing that we've been able to see him grow right in front of our eyes, especially because earlier this offseason, it seemed like there was no plan to play Benjamin St. Juice at the outside corner. Uh, they had him working primary, primarily as the slot guy. But William Jackson III, the bum that he is, obviously gets shipped out of town, so you have to adjust accordingly. And their plan was to move Benjamin St. Juice to the outside corner, and it's worked. And it really has coincided with the turnaround of this Washington Commanders defense. That's really my biggest surprise during this 6-1-1 one one stretch. I think the development of Brian Robinson also was huge. Nobody could have saw this coming. I mean, he dealt with the tragic situation that he dealt with earlier this summer getting shot uh, here out in the city. So the fact that he's been able to come back from that and have the type of impact that he's had uh, has been huge. I think him and Terry McLaurin got to be looked at right now as your offensive MVPs. And if you would have told me that heading into the season, I would have said, damn, what about Curtis? What about Jahan? What about Antonio Gibson? What about Logan Thomas? Those guys, all a vital part of this as well. I just think Brian Robinson and what he's been able to do on the ground giving this team an identity and allowing them to establish the line of scrimmage week in and week out, I think has played really into the strengths of this ball club. And uh, I was listening to the Rich Eisen show yesterday, and he had Lewis Riddick on as a guest. And Lewis Riddick summed it up perfectly. He said, look, when you're taking on a team like the Washington Commanders or the Philadelphia Eagles, teams that are physical in their play style, you got to be willing to break it for three and a half hours. You got to be willing to go balls to the wall for three and a half hours and man up, mano a mano, and win in the trenches. And right now, Washington has shown uh, over this eight-week stretch that they're more than comfortable getting into a street fight with any team in the National Football League. They are willing to line up mano a mano and go head first and say, hey, look, we're not going to crack first. And that's really been the mantra of this football team for the last eight weeks. And the physicality, I think, has really been something that has caught me off guard a little bit because I'm not going to lie, in training camp uh, and in the early portions of this season, it seemed as if this was going to be a finesse-style offense, right? It seemed as if this offense was going to be predicated on taking the top off of opposing defenses. You draft Jahan Dotson in the first round. You sign Terry McLaurin to big money. Curtis Samuel gets big money the offseason before. Everything seemed like it was lending to them being this air raid attack, but insert Brian Robinson, and clearly you see uh, the style of football that this team wants to play. I want to take your calls on this. 301-230-0980 is the number here on the Burgundy and Gold today. You can tweet at me as well, at N-E-L-L underscore BTP. Question is simple. To you, what's been the biggest surprise about the Washington Commanders during this 6-1-1 stretch? My man Devon in Rockville tapping in on Twitter 
says, my biggest surprise is the defense. We started off the season one and four, and we wanted Jack out of here, but what a job he and the players have done, which is the biggest reason for this six one and one turnaround. But I have a question. Do you think this bye week will help or hurt us uh, on Sunday? I appreciate you tapping in, Devon. Look, that's a damn good question because guess what? The, the bye week can serve as a double-edged sword, so to speak, right? from somebody who's played the sport before, not at the NFL level, obviously, but in college, knowing that you got extra rest and extra time to prepare for your next opponent is fine and dandy. You get to hone in on the film, and especially in Washington's situation because you're playing the same team twice in a span of three weeks, you get to lock in on the film and really focus on the things that you messed up with in the first meeting. But on the flip side of that coin, the way that Washington's been playing the past 14 weeks, 13 weeks, playing headbuster-style football, going mano-a-mano, toe-to-toe, and being the aggressor on the offensive side of the football, getting pads popping. When you stop doing that for 10, 11 days, I wonder if it takes you any time to get back in rhythm or or, or it takes you any time to rebuild that callus, especially because it's getting cold outside, man. A lot of these boys went back home. A lot of Florida cats on this team. They're going home to beautiful, warm weather. (laughs) You land at DCA (laughs) and you get off that damn airplane and it's 20 degrees outside. You remember exactly where you are and hopefully it it, it reminds them exactly who they are as a football team. This team and the identity that they've been able to establish over the last eight weeks is built and suited to win in December and January. So I don't have any true concern about them coming out of the bye week. I just wonder if they'll have any rust to knock off uh, here in that first half, maybe, against the New York Giants. Phone lines are packed right now. 301-230-0980 is the number here on the Burgundy and Gold today. Let's go to Gary in Upper Marlboro. Gary, uh, what's been the biggest surprise for you during this 6-1-1 stretch for the Commanders? Uh, thanks for taking my call. I, the biggest surprise for me is Jamin Davis. Um, based on you know the way he played last year and the chatter about him, the beginning of this year and, you know, sort of the, the way he's, you know, his name was handled in press conferences. The yeah. fact that he's been able to bounce back and play very well and show that he's probably worthy of a first-round pick, that's my biggest surprise. Um, but let me just, you know, comment on Benjamin St. Just and, yeah. and Brian Robinson. Yeah. Um, St. Just, he looks like he's a good player, but I think that we are, you know, putting him in a category right now that maybe we shouldn't. Um, because if you look very carefully during those games, there are several times when he has been beaten deep, okay, and the ball was overthrown or underthrown. I just think he's very much still well, a Gary, work in progress. It's the National Football League, buddy. I mean, this happens on a uh, week it, it in and week out basis to every team. Yeah, it is. It is. But I'm telling you, go back and look at those games, man. And I'm telling you, he, you know, he has been very fortunate um, that game, the balls, and just about every game. Balls were overthrown or underthrown where he could have been beaten very, very deep, okay? So I just think we need to pump the brakes on him a little bit and, and give him a chance to develop. He's not a – I don't think he's the number one corner yet. Um, and as far as Brian Robinson is concerned, I, he's a great story. Um, and, but this is the same formula they had last year for four games with, uh, with Gibson. Okay, and, and, and when I look at Brian Robinson, I see the last couple games he's played well, but he's still not averaging four yards a carry. 
Okay, so when we're comparing him to Henry and you know Saquon Barkley and these guys, I'm talking about from strictly the, the running style and the vision that he shows. Uh, Gary, I appreciate the call, my man. Uh, Gary made a good point on Benjamin St. Juice, and I don't necessarily agree with it, but I do think it's fair. Uh, maybe we should slow down or pump the brakes on Benjamin St. Juice. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think he has earned all the praise that he's gotten here. Uh, over this six, seven, eight-week stretch, him solidifying the outside corner spot on this commander's defense has improved the pass defense as a whole. I mean, you look you look at the numbers statistically and when Washington turned things around, it coincides directly with them benching William Jackson III. And I go back to that first meeting against Philadelphia. I mean, he put it on display in that game. I mean, this, this kid, Benjamin St. Juice, is a real deal cat and is willing to line up in front of anybody and give it his all. He is fearless uh, at the quarterback spot, and I think a lot of the times the mentality at corner is what a lot of guys like. You can be the biggest, fastest, strongest dude in the world. If you don't exude the confidence out there on that island playing cornerback, you'll never make it in this league. And Benjamin St. Juice, for damn sure I know, uh, has that. My man Taz tweets at me on Twitter and says, I think Cam coming back. And Defoe starting is the reason for the 6-1-1 one, one start uh, over the last eight games. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Taz. I think uh, Derek Forrest and his emergence has definitely helped this defense. Washington in the secondary right now, your three safeties and your top three corners, I don't think this group, since I've been alive at least, has had this complement of talent together. Right, We've seen safeties come and go that have been good, talented players. We've seen corners come and go. But to have them both on the roster at the same time, uh, I think speaks to the job Ron Rivera and the talent evaluators uh, have done with this group. If you're on the line, stay there. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll take more of your calls. 301-230-0980 is the number here on the Burgundy and Gold today. In your mind, what's been the biggest surprise during this 6-1-1 stretch for the Washington Commanders? Your call's uh, plus, I'll tell you more what I think next. This is Team 980. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.